to is coming. You're listening to The Watchers of Westeros. I am the king! A Game of Thrones podcast. When you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. Fire cannot kill a dragon. Lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of a sheep. I've also heard the phrase, a Lannister always pays his debt. For the night is dark and full of terror. What good is power if you cannot protect the ones you love? We can avenge them. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Watchers of Westeros Game of Thrones podcast. We're back for Season 7, Episode 2, Stormborn. A lot of action this week. Things things happened. You know, people complained. We talked about this on the show a little bit last week. But people, some people felt not enough happened in Episode 1 of Season 7. Well, I don't think you can have that complaint for Episode 2. Lots of uh, lots of big moments. Uh, Theon. What's going on with Theon, man? Uh Euron finally uh, living up to the hype a little bit, I would say. And uh, a couple of uh, reunions for Arya. Everybody's freaking out about uh, Nymeria being back. I'm just excited that Hot Pie is back. Hot Pie is back. I, I want more Hot Pie. I want the spinoff show about what Hot Pie has been up to. It'd be like Hell's Kitchen, but... Uh, in Westeros and he's just making pies over and over again. Uh, lots and lots to get into this week and we'll do that here on the Watchers of Westeros but first introductions are in order if you're new to the show or you've forgotten who we are that can happen My name is Dominic and joining me as he always does, it's my co-host the one and only Kieran Duggan Hello, Dominic. It's been a long time, hasn't it, since we've done this, it seems. Yeah. As I was unfortunately not there for the Game of Thrones premiere last week. But uh, you, on the other hand, have been watching these episodes with a wide variety of different podcasters. Uh, I feel very jealous, to be honest, (laughs) uh, that you've had that opportunity. Um, and long may it continue, I guess, for yourself. Season seven started very nicely for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I don't, but I don't think it's going to continue past that. But yeah, these last two weekends have been, uh, big conventions. Uh, there was D23, uh, two weeks ago, and that's, uh, that was when the premiere aired. And so we watched it with, uh, Chris from Star Wars Underworld and Patrick from, uh, Radio Free Podcasting, Geek Radio. Uh, and then this past weekend was, uh, San Diego Comic Con. And while I couldn't go to the uh, Game of Thrones panel in Hall H, um, on Sunday night, uh, we wa- I got the chance to watch it with uh, Randy from Now This Is Podcasting, Jared from uh, Podcast 2187, and uh, Dr. Tashi-, Tashi Station HD from just about every podcast over at MakingStarWars.net. So uh, it- it's... a uh, it's a it was it was fun to to get to watch these episodes with people because usually usually when you watch game of thrones it's it's sunday night so you know you know you have to go to work the next day or you know you know you have to go to school so you can't really it's it's not really something there's usually big time viewing parties for i know some people do it but uh usually it's just all right this is the last thing i'm going to do for the weekend and i'm going to enjoy it on my own but it it was fun to to watch with people and uh, especially um we may have talked about this on the last episode with with patrick and chris but you know with with that opening scene of uh of the of dragonstone of the first episode uh how we had that cold open and where Arya murders all the phrase and then 
the intro music started, it gave us this sort of moment for all of us to go, that was awesome. And just kind of exchange a look of like, oh my God, that was incredible. Uh, which you don't usually get to do when you watch it on your own, which is, so it was fun to do that. But I, I think uh, for the rest of the season, uh, there's no more major conventions. So I think I'll be flying solo, uh, at least for the majority of the episodes. But uh, let's get into Stormborn, second episode of season seven, as I mentioned. Uh, just overall, Karen, what did you think of Stormborn? Uh, I think when I first left the episode, I had a little bit of mixed feelings because I thought it was really good and I think it was fast-paced. That's the best way to describe it. Um, And maybe it's just taken a little bit of time for me to adjust to the fact that some elements and scenes that might have been either fleshed out or it would have taken a lot longer for the story to progress and develop seem to be going very quickly. Yeah. And I'm thinking in particular, the Danny and John story, I did not expect that meeting to be happening next episode. And, and, and for all of the, the, well, the very beginning of this episode, even when Melisandre just shows up and then yeah. says, hello, Jon Snow, hey yeah, you better go and summon him. And it's like, <laughs> what? Hang on a minute. I was like, you know, in, in, in seasons gone by, I reckon that would have been at least two episodes. Well, it- of building up now there's only seven episodes it's like bang wallop here we go yeah well yeah it it makes you wonder how long it takes to get anywhere in in game of thrones like how long has it been since the end of last season because the last shot of last season was danny sailing for westeros so we could presume that it took however long took about the same amount of time for melisandre to ride from uh winterfell to dragonstone as it took danny to sail from um from marine to to dragonstone so you could maybe make that work but the fact that yeah john and davos are sh- seem to be showing up next week is uh is, is a sign but yeah i i when i first watched it it felt really choppy to me like it it, it didn't the flow it didn't feel like it flowed very well the whole episode mm. um it worked better on the second go around I, I will say watching it again it, it it didn't feel quite as choppy but on that on that first viewing it sort of felt like Okay, we're here. When we're here, when we're here. like it didn't. There wasn't really. It, it didn't have the same flow that that previous episodes yeah. have had, and and yeah, it, it does kind of seem like some of these meetings are are happening. It, it does. It, it, in some ways, it almost feels like the show has reached a point where the the creators are just they want to uh, they want to see these meetings as much as we do, and so they're not giving them the proper build up that they necessarily meet that they necessarily mm. need like i i think about how Tyrion met danny you know like that sort of came midway through a season you know came around episode five or six of season five and you know season five has lots of problems but i thought that was one thing that was done really well where you know he was going to to visit her but he had all these adventures along the way and and when he did actually meet her it felt like sort of a culmination of of you know what he what it what the season had been building to up until that point whereas with the the Jon Snow thing it almost feels not like it not like an afterthought but more like okay we have to do this so we're going to do it instead of let's find an interesting way to 
to to make it happen and and i think mm-hmm. that's a that's part of the i think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that yeah only seven episodes this season only six episodes next season it, it's time to to start getting to some of these things but yeah yeah so it, it'll it'll be interesting to see but that's for next week uh, that's for next week we'll we'll have to get into to get into that um but uh what about yourself, Dominic? Uh, apart yeah. from the flow of the episode, yeah. apart apart it? from that, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I thought it. Um, I thought it, it, it. There were some good moments. Like I said, the the Aria reunions were 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 nice. They were fun. Um, the the Danny stuff was interesting, and, and uh, sort of looking at how that um, that council is going to work over there. Um, and uh, what was left of the council left of the council yeah and of course the the euron stuff that was a surprise to me i was not expecting that i was sort of wondering how the episode was going to end because it was sort of rolling along like nothing um was really happening um but then it it kind of it, 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 it and then you had this big reveal at the end with with euron showing up and a, a pretty decent action sequence um it was very uh it was cut very quickly it, it maybe i think it could have benefited from some longer takes but that's uh that's being a little bit um that's nitpicking uh for, for what was otherwise a pretty cool sequence uh but let's get let's get into things and we'll start uh on dragonstone since that's the uh that's the title of the episode and we get a scene between Danny and Varys that was really interesting because we we kind of see, you know, Varys has always been a character that you never really understand. We never really knew what he was working towards, what his motivations were. And he is the spider. He's always been kind of shady. And so now to have who he, Danny, who he's allegedly been serving this whole time, sort of confront him on it. It was a, it was a very striking scene. What did you make of, of that conversation? Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I, th- I thought it was an interesting start to the episode, and it wasn't really a character who I thought we were going to be focusing on mm-hmm. this episode. But this is this is what we meant with the flow of the episode: is that this sort of scene is what I expect with Game of Thrones. Really, it was a nice, drawn-out scene, and it, and it really. It, I think Danny rightfully challenged Varys on a lot of what his beliefs and philosophies are. And it's something that maybe the audience has sort of forgotten because Varys is very um, silver-tongued in a way. He's very quick-witted, and mm-hmm. we all seem to like Varys. Yeah, but the he's also a shady character, let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Yeah, I mean, he uh, um, he makes – one of his, his skills in-universe is that he makes characters like him and makes characters feel they can trust him even though they know they shouldn't. And he kind of has that effect on the audience too. Yeah, he really does, and and I think it's, actually Danny almost had to be the character to call him out on it because I think if many others did that, we'd probably dismiss it and say, "Oh, they're just they don't understand really." But with Danny, she often she's often good at calling people out. I have to say, and she she was I don't even think she was that harsh though because when you think about it, yeah, season one seems so long ago now, but yeah, Varys was there to. You know, send his agents to kill her. Yeah, under the under the uh, orders of Robert Baratheon, even though he thought that Robert Baratheon was not the rightful king, uh, but he was more than willing to back Viserys, and uh, and and he's backed the Mad King before Robert. So 
you know, his track record is hardly good. So, I, Danny calling him out on it, I thought was, uh, I, I thought it was a very intriguing start. And to be honest, I don't know about you, Dominic, but I still sort of left there thinking, I'm not, I'm not really sure about whether Varys is completely on board if things turn south. In my personal opinion. But that's that's just me. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I was reading it a little bit wrong there. Um, we'll, uh, wait, wait to see. I guess. Yeah. On that I, I got. I, good I, scene. I felt Varys was pretty sincere. I thought he was. He was pretty sincere in that scene. I, I wasn't too. Uh, I, 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 I believed him. I bought into it. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what you're supposed to do. Maybe there's a twist coming. But I think at this point, I think at this point, Varys and, and Littlefinger, both of them. It almost seems like they they're out of schemes. Like they've they, they've schemed mm. themselves into a corner, and it's time to you know let the chips fall where they may. And I think with with Varys, he's in obviously in a much better position than Littlefinger. But you know these were guys who in the early seasons, you know people there was the there's the meme. You know you realize the real Game of Thrones is between those two, and it's sort of like. Yes and no. Yes and no. I don't really. I, I never really agreed with that, but I, I could see that that sentiment that it was two people who were trying to manipulate the power players into uh, to doing certain things. Uh, but now, you know, so much has changed, and the the situation is has become a lot a lot less subtle. I think the the situation that the show is in is. is there's less subtlety, and I think maybe that's part and parcel with why things are moving so quickly, and why something like you know the Jon Snow Daenerys Targaryen meeting is happening in episode three, as opposed to you know episode six or seven of a ten episode season. You know, so it, I think it's a sort of a it has to, has to do with that. And but I did love I did love it when Varys sort of when Melisandre showed up and she called. Um, and Varys sort of calls her out saying, you know, you used to, you used to serve Stannis Baratheon. And, and Danny says, you know, it's a good thing you showed up today because we just decided to, uh, pardon people for serving the wrong king. I thought that was a very, uh, very clever, uh, clever bit of writing by the, uh, by the writers there. Um, the, well, let's stick with Melisandre because Melisandre shows up and she talks about the prophecy of the prince that was promised. And, uh, there's a little bit, this was, this was one of those instances where it felt a little bit, a little bit clunky, but I, I know what they were doing and I appreciate what they were doing, but they sort of made the point that, uh, the prince that was promised is a bad translation that they're translating a language where the word prince doesn't have a gender associated with it. So it's the prince or princess, you know, it was, it was a little bit clunky to, to sort of establish the fact, cause clearly, clearly it's. Jon Snow and, and Daenerys Targaryen, something, those two have, two, those two are the key to everything and solving everything. And, and so they, they were trying to sort of establish that and, and give, give Danny a reason to summon Jon. But it, it felt a little bit like, you know, like they just sort of like, well, the prophecy is the prince that was promised, but we have the, we have a female character here. So we, we, we better find a way to, almost dumb it down for the audience you know like in a way it, it i don't know that scene felt a little bit um felt a little bit underwritten uh, i don't know how you mm. feel yeah i mean I, I did think there were certain points in this episode really that the writing maybe wasn't quite up to scratch and i completely see where you're coming from with the 
with the Prince angle, it just wasn't really that necessary. And, and did I, we, because because that because that line did take you a little bit out when you consider yeah. that the next line. That's what people were talking about, and that's what what people will be talking about. Which is when Melisandre said, you know, um, you have a part to play, but there's another as well. And the king of the north, <laughs> she went all, Snow. She went all like, Yoda. She's hell? like, there, she went all Yoda on her. She's like, there, there is another Jon yeah. Snow, <laughs> which uh, I thought was awesome. Yeah, oh for sure, that that was cool. But yeah, I mean, it, they could have just said like the hero that was promised or something. You know, it, it didn't. And I, I know the prince that was promised comes from the books and, and that sort of thing. But it it, it definitely felt. I don't know. It's it's one of those things that I think so many of us have have accepted, and maybe this is us just being a little bit too into it, and 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 maybe the general audience, the mythic general audience, needed uh, needed it spelt out that way. But to me, it just sort of it felt a you know we we've been we've been feeling that um, John and Danny are the key to this for a long time, and so to have it so blatantly put when it's been so subtly alluded to for six seasons it i don't know it just felt a little bit a little bit uh a little bit rough around the edges but uh but hey we get, we finally get the john snow daenerys targaryen meeting next week um uh, they we continue in dragonstone uh we get the the plan uh Tyrion's plan and uh there's some uh there's still some bad blood between the uh the various uh allied houses here um i did enjoy Tyrion calling out uh alaria on the death of marcella because you know that's kind of that that's kind of one of those things where you know Tyrion may not may not uh consider himself to be much of a lannister anymore but that was still somebody who he cared for and um was killed and now he has to team up with her murderer well that was part of it in yeah. fact it was mainly Tyrion's idea yeah it was Tyrion's idea wasn't it to send Marcella to Dawn mm-hmm. in season two so he must take a little bit of responsibility for that as well wasn't he because not to say that it was his idea to then get her back but if she wasn't in Dawn in the first place maybe she would have been safer in King's Landing although I haven't said that yeah <laughs> I don't know if I would King's necessarily Land- think King's Dawn or King's Landing lesser of two evils really isn't it yeah, there's not a lot of good things going on in King's Landing these days. Um, but we get this scene between Olena and Danny, and you know we're not going to focus on the the military strategy because that's sort yeah. of irrelevant to, 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 to us at this point. They're going to attack Casterly Rock. That should be cool. Um, but we get this scene between Olena and Danny, and it sort of it kind of reminds me of what's going on in the North with the. John and Sansa stuff where, where Littlefinger is kind of trying to drive John and Sansa apart. It almost seems like Olena is trying to drive Danny and Tyrion apart. Not, maybe not for this, obviously not for the same reasons and, and probably <laughs> not maliciously the way that, that Tyrion, or not Tyrion, uh, Littlefinger may be trying to. But it, it's a, it was, it's strange that, that this is where, or, or not strange. It was interesting to me that this is where the show is going to start, uh, these are some of the pressure points that the show is going to push and sort of this is where they're going to insert some drama um, and some interpersonal interpersonal drama is with between sort of the the king and their number one advisor um, mm. c- kind of takes you back. Common kinda, theme. Yeah, it kind of even takes you back to season one with um, with Ned and Robert. But there it was a disagreement on philosophy here. It's it seems to be there's a little bit of uh People are being encouraged not to trust each other, 
which mm. is very much the old way, isn't it? Yeah. But then it's interesting, I guess, who's, as you say, who's given the advice, really, and it's people who have been playing the game for the most part. You know, it's it's the Game of Thrones after all, isn't it? And you feel like people like John and Daenerys, although, so to say to a lesser extent, because she is playing the game, although, you know, you could see maybe there might be a rift between her and Jamie at some point, who is probably her principal advisor, unless you count Kyburn. But anyway, <laughs> with Danny, it's... You know, Tyrion said actually trying to advise her to to carry out what she wants to do, um, which is a sort of revolution, and, and 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 not to have bloodshed and not to be queen of the ashes. That's the big statement that's been made. Uh-huh. Um, so it's interesting why Elena's then trying to instill the opposite philosophy on Danny and saying, "No, you want to conquer. You've got to you've got to strike well, fear yeah. into the heart of people." And be a Olena, dragon, you know, showing your true colors. Yeah. Olena is kind of old and bitter at this point, though. Like, mm, that's true. You know, she, she was sort of saying, you know, Marjorie was beloved by the common people. And where did that get her? And that's a very valid point to raise. And it's something that Danny and, and Tyrion and everybody should be aware of and conscious of. But by that same token, you know, Danny is, is there to, you know, change the world essentially to bring a, a new order to the world and she said back in season five you know she doesn't want to stop the wheel she wants to break the wheel she wants to completely change how things are done in westeros and if she were to listen to olena and basically just burn burn cities to the ground burn them all um she she wouldn't really accomplish that goal and it would kind of be counter to what she's been saying this whole time now we know danny has a is a bit of a streak of you know she she's she's okay with a little bit of a mass murder every now and again and and burning people alive and that sort of thing so you know her and melisandre i'm sure will get along just fine um but it's it's a situation where if she really wants to you know obviously she needs lady olena's army but if she really wants to win you know, Elena says, "Don't trust clever men," and that there's pro- there's definitely truth to that. You know, don't trust Littlefinger or, or Varys or people like that. But Tyrion seems to be committed to her actual goal, whereas Lady Elena is just there, like like uh, Danny says, out of hatred of Cersei, not out of love for her or a desire to change the world. Yeah, I do wonder where that's going to end up, really. Uh, and Elena's storyline in itself, I think, is going to be interesting because I didn't actually think she'd be, not to say a vocal point in this season, but you know she's also mentioned in King's Landing. And I sort of feel like her fate could be a very interesting point of this season. But yeah, I wonder what this now means with Danny, uh, and whether the, whether as well this might play a part in the in the future meetup with Jon Snow. I sort of do wonder how that's all going to work. Um, mm. It's going to be another interesting meeting. These are, yeah, these I think are, there's a bit of a build-up for that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not much. Sure. One episode. One episode, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the last thing that sort of happens on, on Dragonstone is we get uh, the scene between Grey Worm and Missandei. Um We'll check in on the Deadpool later, but uh, one of these two is dead, pretty much. This, I think the fact that they spent so much time on this scene, one of them mm. is, is going to go. And 
I think uh yeah, we were we were we were back we didn't agree on this. I said I said Grey Worm is dead and you said Missandei is dead. And uh it looks like one of us is gonna be right. Looks like one of us is gonna be right. Mm-hmm. Or we could we could both be wrong and, and, and they could both uh <laughs> they could both live or they could both die. Um but it's yeah, that 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 was definitely the thought I had when that scene kept going. Like it just cause it, Yeah. It, it was a it's a fairly long scene um for all things considered so yeah that think they're uh one of them is dead one of them is dead uh but we'll move from uh from dragonstone to uh old town to the citadel uh and check in with sam uh sam who is uh this season it's, it seems to get all the gross out scenes uh you know last season he was uh, last episode he was uh, uh cleaning uh bedpans and this episode he's cutting grayscale off jorah um it's interesting to see Sam disobeying the um Archmaester so early. What 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 are your thoughts on 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 what Sam's been up to so far and and where Sam is going with this uh this whole um apprenticeship or or this 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 yeah, the apprenticeship at, in Old Town, where he's 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 supposed to be there to be to learn how to be a maester, but he's not very good at at following the rules, which is kind of interesting because he, he he's not the kind of person you would think of as a rule breaker, and yet there he is. He's he doesn't really wanna doesn't really want to listen to to the archmaester. Mm, it's a little bit almost too much of John in him, really, isn't it? This is sort of something bit, that John yeah. Snow would do, you would argue. Uh, I don't remember Jon Snow following many orders very well when no. he was at the Night's Watch. Well, although he is... did manage to get to the top of the tree. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the kind of thing like they, where you say it's it's it's, a, it's the influence of Jon Snow, where he's he's doing what he thinks is right. Not yeah. he's not following orders. He's doing what he thinks is right, which is what, which is what Jon did for the most part. I mean, Jon followed orders at times, but you know he brought the wildlings through the wall despite what other what people thought of that and he he paid a price for it and i think you know even if sam saves jorah uh there's the, there's a price to be it paid for this yeah there's a price to be paid for this now sam has already found one crucial piece of information the whole thing about the um the dragon glass mm. at dragonstone which again we already knew you know like stannis said that <laughs> you know it's sort of like his this was a lot of there's a lot we're spending a lot of time in in old town to learn something if that's the only thing we get out of this um uh, then it, I, then that this storyline will have been if not a not a waste necessarily but maybe won't fully live up to its potential but speaking of jorah what's what's left for jorah at this point you know presumably he's going to be cured presumably but to me it it feels like it's not really well his story is just odd though isn't it yeah i think you're right i did sort of think if he gets cured what is he gonna actually What's do next for him yeah because he doesn't have... i know danny said that he could come back but... Mm. but but there's not really a place for him anymore like he, he could go back and be an advisor but she doesn't need an advisor anymore she's got she's got Tyrion. she's got um Yara and, 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 well, she did have Yara and, and Ilaria, but, you know, she got Lady Olena. She's got this sort of war council that she doesn't really need Ser Jorah anymore. And, and so, you know, he, exi- his purpose in the story at this point is to show what Sam is willing to do. But 
if he survives this and and there's always a possibility that Sam could screw this up and Jorah will die and this is a lesson for Sam uh in um you know following orders or whatnot but it it could just as easily work out where Sam cures him and we just sort of realize that the the citadel is so caught up in their old ways that they'll kick him out anyways even just because he didn't follow orders um and and, and so I, but I wonder, there doesn't seem to be really be somewhere for Jorah to go. There's nothing that he's really, you know, even when, when Danny kicked him out a couple of seasons ago, it made sense that he was still trying to get back to her, but he got back to her. He, he won back her favor last season, but it's not like they could be together. It's not like he has a, has a future with her in, in any way that he would want it. So, yeah, where where does Jorah go next? What's left for him in this story? Because you know, if if they cure him from an uncurable disease and then have the White Walkers kill him next season, like that, that would be be sort of like okay, well, that that would, that would be so depressing. And maybe that's what they're going to do. Maybe that's just sort of the lesson is that you know nobody is safe, even if you even if you you know cheated death once, then you know that doesn't mean you you'll necessarily cheat it again. But I I, I just wonder because it, the, the, he's a character that it doesn't seem like. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's a place for. Um, not that I'm not that I'm uh, rooting for Jorah to die or anything, but you know, that's that's sort of how I feel looking at the story is that there's not really anything left for him to do. No, I agree with you there. I think that Jorah's place in this world is uh, I, it's it is lacking purpose. Perhaps if John and Danny's storylines do align. Could make it interesting when you think of where Sir Jorah's heritage comes from, the fact that his father was commander of the Night's Watch. Send him up north, maybe. I don't know. He doesn't, Jorah never seemed to have a close relationship with his family, and I can't really tell why that necessarily was. Well, it's because, um, he, it's because I, he, um, he sold people into slavery. Right. He, he disgraced. Okay. Well, he then dis- in that sense, could Jorah maybe try to make amends? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe, but I mean, he he sold people into slavery, oh. and Ned caught him and banished him, and he so embarrassed his his house that his father uh, took the black. He went and because he was so ashamed of what his son had done that he went and, and joined the Night's Watch, and then eventually became Lord Commander, and that's where we met him at the beginning of the show. Um, but yeah, so he, there's not, this there doesn't really have a home. I guess he could go see, um, little lady Mormont <laughs> in, in the North there. That could be interesting. Maybe, maybe there is a place for him, but I don't know. He's a character that we didn't have on our, uh, on our Deadpool. I'm checking here. So we'll do a, a last minute addition to it. Uh, does Jorah live or die this season? Oh, I reckon he's going to live. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he's going to live. I, I feel like there's live. too much invested in this now for him not to live. Yeah, I'll be dis- well, I'll be a little bit disappointed yeah, if he goes next week could... because I feel like, well, why why have we spent all this time? Yeah, watching well, him at, at this point. At this point, I think his character has mostly just has to do with what it means for for Sam in the uh, in the Citadel. So it, it all depends on what they want to do with Sam at this point and. If they want Sam to learn a lesson about obeying orders, then he'll die. If they want to show, if they want to have Sam show 
the maesters that you know sometimes uh, they need to take they need to take risks then he'll live and i think i i'm sort of leaning towards the latter at this point um but we'll go from uh go from sam to uh sam's buddy john the king in the north so basically uh John gets two ravens in this episode. John gets two emails in this episode. He gets one from from Tyrion and he gets one from Sam. And he decides to go south to Dragonstone. And he doesn't have a lot of support in this decision. This is another this is another classic classic Jon Snow decision where nobody likes nobody likes it where he's going to make the hard choice. But he leaves Sansa in charge. And does this fix what broken trust there may be there? Does the, is this enough of a gesture to her that he trusts her to put her in charge? Is that, or is this just leave it open for uh, someone like Littlefinger to cause some more trouble? No, it's definitely the latter. <laughs> I don't, I, it is honestly. I mean, I just. What was the first thing when John said that Sansa did? She looked straight over to Littlefinger, and then the camera cuts to Littlefinger's reaction as well. Uh-huh. I I just think there's too much about Sansa now, which I've also seen in subsequent articles about this episode. Um, there's been a lot of talk about what she's wearing as well. It's very reminiscent, people are saying, of what Sansa wore at the end of season four. Uh, when she was walking down those stairs. I think she was wearing a similar necklace that she wore in this episode. And the hair, people are comparing it to Cersei when it was a bit longer. You're sort of perhaps seeing the the mixture of the two personalities based on the appearance. And we know, based on one of these documentaries of uh, Game of Thrones put up for season seven, how symbolic the clothes or the costumes are for each character. Don't think it's any coincidence I, I think that it's, it's going to be, in my mind, how far does she go? Um, but I think John leaving is that that points Sansa in the direction of Littlefinger rather than the direction of good, um, in my opinion, or, or rather the playing playing the game Sansa, I should say. What, what, what is your thought on it all, though? Yeah, I I, I kind of I kind of agree and kind of disagree with you, like. I, I think definitely it's not going to be so easy as her just sort of going, well, John trusts me, so we're all good now. But I don't think she's, I don't think Littlefinger's going to be able to influence her anymore. I don't think Sansa can be manipulated anymore. I think she's going to be the one doing the manipulating. And I think we're going to see a situation where Littlefinger's going to try to manipulate her or think he's manipulating her. And maybe we as the audience are going to think he's manipulating her. But really, we'll find out that she was manipulating him, and that is how he will die. Uh, is is she will catch him or in one of his lies, and or in one of his schemes, and that'll be that. That'll be that'll be the the breaking point, the end of Lord Peter Baelish. So I mm. I don't think I don't think Sansa's I think Sansa's un unshakable in that. I don't think she'll be manipulated. But I, I, I don't think it will be so easy as, hey, we're all good now. We're all we're all we're all fine here now. How are you? Uh, it'll be a little. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Well, uh, following 
following on from that, what do you make of the scene between Littlefinger and John in the crypt? I thought that was yeah. quite an interesting scene. Yeah. Uh, a lot of parallels in that one um, between Ned Stark and Littlefinger, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular with the whole choking certainly and i think well it's definitely supposed to it's supposed to evoke that for sure right down to the fact that they're standing in front of ned's grave with uh, the the statue mm-hmm. of sean mm-hmm. bean out front um <laughs> but yeah but uh, the but i i think and and yeah i think if if um john were left with Littlefinger, Littlefinger might be able to manipulate him and i think we're, we're, yeah, I think so. I think he might be able to 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 work his uh his tricks on John, but I think we're we're meant to be reminded of the fact that I think that that this the purpose of that scene is to remind us that Littlefinger can't be trusted, and that no matter what he says, he has ulterior motives, and he will betray you. And so, oh, I'll tell you what, the best line of that wasn't it? it was when he went and said, oh, um. I would never betray you. Though. I'm yeah. not one of your enemies or something yeah. like that. Oh, <laughs> believe that you believe anything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, um, so I think we're meant to be reminded of that. So that we'll be sort of on the lookout for him to betray the Starks and betray Sansa. And so that the show can essentially double cross us and we'll, we'll, We'll we'll see him and we'll think he's scheming and he's going to win. But then we're, we'll realize all of a sudden, oh no, Sansa played him the whole time instead of him playing. Yeah. Her. So I think I think that's what they're Do doing think- is that they're intentionally echoing the stuff from season one so that they can uh, go in completely the other direction. Right. Okay. That makes sense because I know a lot of people were saying. Well, some people were saying that they thought that scene was quite badly written because it made Peter look like or Lord. Littlefinger looked like it was just, you know, what, like he was an idiot, basically. A lot of people seem to be dissatisfied that he's not really done much and he seems to have run out of ideas. But we we drew the comparisons with Varys and it's the scheming of the schemers and running out of schemes. Yeah, well, (laughs) and and they've they've run into people. People who maybe are looking out for schemers. Yeah, yeah, that's it. They've run into people who are looking out for schemers and who aren't really schemers. John's pretty open with everybody about his intentions i think the same goes for danny and same sansa's a little bit more schemish but you know she obviously like we said she admire like she said last week she admires cersei which is a really interesting revelation i think and so i think we will see that sansa is is capable of scheming but uh she's she's going to take what she learned from littlefinger from cersei from Tyrion. And even from Ramsey, and she's going to mm. use it use it to destroy. Oh, that's a really weird combination. To, yeah, to to dis- well, but see, she she witnessed people who were who manipulated people, who schemed and manipulated people, and and that's who those that's what those people are. And uh, Tyrion's probably the, the 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 one who she learned the least from. But from Cersei, Littlefinger, Ramsey, you know these three awful people. She's watched them play their game f- for pretty much her entire um adolescence and young adult life there um she probably has a pretty good idea of of how to beat them of what their weaknesses are especially Littlefinger, 
and how to exploit them using uh, you know tactics that are similar to what Cersei Ramsey Littlefinger might have done just if not maybe not as brutal um and for a nobler pur- purpose which then begs the question does the ends justify the means but we'll get to that assuming mm. assuming she uh she manages to pull this off just the, the final point on the whole scene there mm-hmm. when john left the crypt and got on the horse and waved his hand do you think that again was intentional to reflect ned and cat seems odd but for some reason i sort of got that vibe between those two in that scene yeah i've seen i've seen some people say that like a lot of the scenes especially last season uh between john and sansa were shot very similar to how scenes between ned and cat were shot and so yeah it may be that they're trying to evoke that i thought it was more just you know it was just just a shot of him leaving <laughs> i didn't i didn't read too much too much into it i, I don't know do you, do you think there's some deeper meaning there i don't know I just, I just felt it was a bit striking really i was like he sort of just choked little finger and rather than maybe be a bit of a normal person before you leave and say hey look this guy don't trust him, blah de blah de blah. He just gets on his horse and goes off and waves. <laughs> and it's it also didn't you know, I their relationship I think is a bit it's getting a bit cold now. You know, when they first met, lovely, warm embrace and they hadn't seen each other in however long in season six, but no really. And I don't think Sansa really gave much emotion in that goodbye, personally. That's just me. Um, yeah. but maybe again I'm reading too much into it but well, that could also be the point of saying that there are clear differences between these two and then it's not a happy harmonious marriage <laughs> yeah or not marriage you know what I mean yeah I know I know what between you mean the- yeah I, that's it's it's interesting it's interesting yeah it, it's definitely they don't the show definitely doesn't want us to think that all is good between them but I think it's all I I'm 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 in the camp that this is all a misdirect and that all is actually good between the two of them. That's kind of my belief on the, on the matter. And, and, you know, it may be tense, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, the Starks are going to stick together, even if mm-hmm. uh, one of them isn't technically a Stark, but you know, that's, that's a, you know, semantics. Um, we'll move from, from Winterfell. We'll move from uh two Stark siblings to another, um, Arya. So Arya, she reunites with hot pie and eats a pie, has some ale and finds out that Jon Snow has retaken Winterfell and she turns around and heads. She stops trying to get to King's Landing and decides to go to Winterfell instead. Um, and as she's traveling, she comes across a, a pack of wolves and realizes that the leader is Nymeria, her dire wolf that she sent off back in season one so this is a character this is the wolf we haven't seen in six seasons it shows back up and she um she tries to uh reach out to namiria and namiria just kind of doesn't seem to be really into it she turns around leaves aria alone and aria says it's not you so what did you make of what did you make of of that scene of, of seeing namiria again I, I was sure as soon as I left that, I, or as soon as that scene ended, I thought this is definitely a metaphor for what Ari is doing. I feel like the direwolves and the Starks seem to 
yeah, there seems to be a very close connection between the two in terms of the, of the storylines of the characters. And many of the, of the direwolves, well, most of us thought the direwolves are loyal to, to the Starks in particular. Um, so two ways you can read it is that perhaps it shows that because Nymeria isn't as interested in her previous owner, um, that Arya is no longer a Stark in that sense. She's become something else, which is maybe a fair point to make. Yeah. But also the fact that Arya can't actually tame Nymeria. Arya is not one to be tamed either. Yeah, uh, never was, and I think that perhaps reflects something as well in uh, in Arya, which at this stage is that uh, she's a changed person. Again, that was shown in that hot pie scene, straight in there, eat, you know, eating that pie, having that ale, not really being that talkative. Um, she's definitely a different person and hot by asked the question, what happened to you? And she doesn't want to talk about it. So, um, I don't know what really, what's going to happen. Although ooh, we do know as well, as she's going up North to find Jon Snow, he's not going to be there. This is a classic game of Thrones <laughs> moment, isn't it? Or yeah. like, storyline. Um, but what did you make of the whole Nymeria scene? Yeah, I, I agree with you that like, it's definitely some sort of metaphor for her. And, and it's, you know, I think the whole idea is that, you know, she's not, she's, she's kind of lost touch with her roots and that's what she's going back to. Mm. Uh, she's, that's what she's going to do when she goes back to um, Winterfell. And I almost think it would have been more powerful if uh, this scene had to come before the hot pie scene. And so, you know, her decision to return North was motivated not just by what hot pie had said, but also by her mm. experience with her dire wolf. But uh, you know that's that's sort of how it goes, but uh, but I guess if you see the dialogue, she might afford to go back north anyway. I don't yeah, know. yeah, and and it's a more powerful like thing to leave her on than yeah. than hot pie, you know. Um, <laughs> but it's it, it, but yeah, it's she's definitely you know she's been through so much and she's changed so much. I mean, with all the stuff in Bravos for the last uh, couple of seasons and and that sort of thing. But you know the way last season ended, where you know she said a girl is Arya Stark and, and I'm going home. Um, it, that that felt like a pretty big sort of her, bit of her reclaiming her her heritage. Although she's been doing some things that were less than honorable, shall we say? They're they're not sort of the Ned Stark way of doing things. The way she took care of the phrase. So maybe there's something there that she needs to you know when she gets back to Winterfell, she needs to tap back into that uh, that Stark uh, code of honor a little bit. But I'm a little bit, you know, I'm I'm a little bit disappointed we didn't get a follow up to the to the scene with the Lannister soldiers uh, last mm. week. Not not because not because I need to see more Ed Sheeran on Game of Thrones or anything, but just because <laughs> uh, just because like th- that seemed to be a really interesting moment where she was sort of challenged by uh, you know her her she she she's sitting there with her enemies and she's realizing that her enemies are not. They're not all evil like Cersei. There, are, there, there are some that are kind and caring, and they they understand that they're fighting somebody else's war. And, and so, I would have liked to have seen a follow up to that because, you know, that this whole thing of her going to kill the queen seems to have basically been dropped at this point because she's going to go to Winterfell, which is which is good. We'll get the reunions and stuff, but I'm I would have liked to have seen a follow up to that and and. and and hopefully we will still get something where 
those notions are are challenged. I'd like some payoff for that scene and, and to make it because it was a good scene to begin with, but uh, just something a little bit to make it a little bit more um, impactful in the grand scheme of this season. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. It seems like a bit of a well. <laughs> Certainly, it just seems like a bit of a cameo scene for Ed Sheeran otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, and again, like, I think they. I know I think it was they, a little bit more than that. Yeah, I but. think they made it work, but uh, yeah, but I know, I know what you mean. Where otherwise, it's sort of like, well, what was the point other than to have him there and have him singing on the show? Um, all right, King's Landing. Speaking of the the queen that Arya was going to kill, uh, but seems to have changed mm-hmm. her mind. Uh, I thought this stuff with Cersei was really interesting. Um, Certainly more interesting than the Jamie and Randall stuff, but the way she described what Danny did in Marine and Essos in general, like I thought that was really it was a it was a good sort of twist on uh on 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 what we mm. know is the truth. You know, we what we we saw it from Danny's perspective, and and from Danny's perspective, she was liberating those those cities, she was saving them, but. You know, Cersei makes the point, and it's this. It's ironically enough, it's the same point Tyrion makes earlier in the episode that you know this is just sort of a mm. foreign invasion. You know, these are you know she's not actually she doesn't represent Westeros. She's just there to, uh, you know, she she's not Westerosi. She's there to conquer and invade. She's this isn't this isn't the rightful queen coming home to take her her place. This is somebody who's just basically there to brutalize and kill and terrorize and. You know, Tyrion, like like I said, Tyrion made the point that that's what the, the 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 take that Cersei would have, and to see Cersei actually explaining that one was a nice moment uh, for, for for Tyrion. Although you know he didn't actually see it, but you know for uh, the audience thinking about Tyrion, but also it, it it does sort of put in perspective, you know, what do people in Game of Thrones actually think about what's happening in Game of Thrones because they don't get to see the everyday. Um, discussions that we do as the audience. So for them, it, yeah, they can look at what Danny's doing and just go, wow, that's brutal. That's awful. That's, uh, disgusting. Yeah. I'd say what was also quite funny was the sort of irony in her statements or, you know, just clear lies when she's talking about, um, Elena Tyrell and saying, oh, she's, you know, a traitor to the realm, but you, Bannerman, should side with me. You know, mm-hmm. only because it was me that killed Marjorie Tyrell and Loras Tyrell <laughs> and helped all of that happen. Yeah. So, and 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 their father as well. So, you know, I didn't kill all of your house, but I killed most of them. But come inside with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was quite funny. Good old Cersei, um, yeah. Yeah. But then the whole Randall Tarly part within that scene with Cersei, when he questions, you know, how are you going to deal with the dragons? I think his point of view is interesting because it perhaps represents a lot of what those people in that room for, which is you make those good points about the, the foreign invasion, etc. but uh, or try and present Daenerys as this evil uh, Targaryen, um, like the Mad King. But how do you stop them? Yeah, uh, which is, I guess, why this the later scene in this episode is is interesting again because it means that yeah, maybe there is a bit of a vulnerability to some of. Yeah, uh, the arsenal that uh, Danny has, or the yeah. power that Danny has within her oh, arsenal. Certainly, certainly, yeah. I mean, uh, it takes you back to, to last season, actually, when they were when John and Sansa and Davos were sort of trying to prepare for the Battle of the Bastards and rally the the houses in the north. And um, you know, Sansa's trying to make the case. You know, 
the north the northerners are are different they don't you know they will rise up against the boltons and and davoser goes yeah it, it may be true that northerners are different but most people don't want to see their uh their loved ones flayed alive and unless you can convince them that you can win uh they're not going to side with you because they don't want to see that happen and i think that's kind of what's going on here is is cersei and and kyburn they need some they need something to take out the dragons because otherwise the the other houses are just going to side with with danny because they don't want to be burned alive by dragon fire um and and so yeah i thought that was that was interesting but i will say I was a little bit underwhelmed when they unveiled the dragon killer and it was just like a really, <laughs> really fancy crossbow because like, <laughs> cause like you think about Kyburn, like this guy is this creepy pyromancer who, you know, resurrected the mountain essentially turned him into this like zombie and he helped Cersei blow up the sept with wildfire. Like he's got all this crazy stuff. And then it's like, well, and here we have a really nice crossbow for you. You know, like, it, it, <laughs> yeah. And he, what did he say? Like the blacks, Smiths have been working yeah. day and night on this. It didn't even look that big, did yeah, it? Yeah, you know, day and night. What else were they doing? Yeah, really. They will. <laughs> they were just taking up all the gold. Um, but it, they they showed it. It was effective. They shot it through the the skull of a of another dragon, the size of uh, size of Drogon. There, so uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. I think one of the dragons is going to go. One of the dragons is going to fall this season. Um, when we uh when we get to the inevitable showdown between Danny and Cersei, one of the dragons has to go, I think. Um but then we get to the uh the big action sequence for this episode. And this was something that was uh, teased in the trailers. Uh the battle uh the ship battle with Euron Greyjoy attacking Theon and Yara and uh Alaria and the Sand Snakes. Um well two of the at least two of the Sand Snakes are dead um yeah that, that's that's a, yeah that's about all that's worth <laughs> but we I do mean, i don't know about you dominic but could you really did he really have did you did you shed a tear when that happened no no i was <laughs> i was i was hoping that we could get a cool one one cool action sequence out of them and they were okay in this but they were still still weren't uh they still never lived up to to the hype and yeah, not surprised, not um, not disappointed. Uh, at least it looks. I think at least two of them are dead. I wouldn't be surprised if the third one is too. Um, it was sort of implied that bad things would happen to her, but um, we both had uh in the Deadpool we had uh any of the Sand Snakes dying. <laughs> we both had uh we both had them as dead. So uh, we're we're tied one to one going going forward here at the with the Deadpool so far, um, but yeah, the, this action sequence, um, I I thought it was it was pretty spectacular. It's very visually um, visually interesting with all the fire and the, and the pyrotechnics and mm. all that. Um, like I said, I would have liked it if they kind of had let some of the shots linger and maybe if they had given us some longer shots a little bit because there were some pretty quick cuts in there. Um, mm. But other than that, it was a. I really like the opening uh, part with, of the battle when that the ship comes out. Of the yes, mist. or when and, and it's when... just this massive black ship. I thought that was actually very Pirates of the Caribbean esque. Oh, for sure. Which yeah, I thought really worked well. Oh yeah, definitely. And then when um the like gangplank comes down. <laughs> and and Euron is there, and he and that that was so it was so cool. It was so well done for the first time. Euron Greyjoy actually felt like a real 
threat, a real mm. um, imposing character. And then, so I thought that was cool. And we got a fight between um, Euron and Yara. And uh, he, he, Euron wins. He's got Yara. He's got an, his axe to her throat. And he challenges Theon. And Theon, suffering from a little PTSD there, um, mm. kind of... I, I, we have to first. I have to give it to Alfie Allen for a great performance because he started. He put in those sort of those reek shakes yeah, that he did, that was and great. it was really, it was really well performed. But then Theon drops his sword and jumps over overboard. Um, what was your reaction to that? Like, how, how did that? How did that? How did you feel when that happens? And what's next for Theon? Like, where can Theon go? What What does he have to? What can he do at this point? Well, I mean, the natural reaction is, even though logically what he did was, you know, he can't, he can't fault it because he was going to die. I imagine if he went and tried to save her, but there was that emotion of just disappointment and thinking, oh, you know, yeah. Theon well, sort come, of come a long way yeah, now, come he's so sort of built up again, and now it's like, oh, you know, where'd you go from here? What does he do next? That's a very good question, but. Um, I don't know. Did you have that similar emotional reaction? And when you see those, oh yeah, particularly the, the scenes when they're like pulling the tooth out the man's mouth or whatever, and oh, you're sort brutal, of like, oh. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, a bit of oh, yeah. Come well, on. yeah. Well, that was that was my reaction. Was like, well, when 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 um, Euron had Yara, I thought my immediate reaction was, all right, here Theon is back. He's going to charge in there. He's going to fight and he'll be able to free Yara. And then together they'll take down Euron, which is what you would, which is, which is, this is a classic game of Thrones here, isn't it? They build your expectations. Exactly. Exactly. And then I saw the reek shakes happen. I thought, Oh no, Oh no, no, no. But I I was still thinking he's going to overcome it. He's going to overcome it. And then he dropped the sword and jumped overboard. And and yeah, I I don't know what's what is next. What can what can he do? I guess he could go back to Daenerys and, and plead for mercy it's or what plead you for think help. He would do, but then what but, are they gonna say? Yeah. Uh, well you know, Yara said to him last season, you know, I need you here and if you can't be that, you know, slit your wrists and kill yourself. Like, you know, if you can't be you, just end it already. And well, she said I, in this I, episode he was going to be her advisor and protector. Yeah. yeah, and he failed on on all those accounts. And I, you know, I don't know if he can go back to her. You know, we've already had her take him in once, where she maybe didn't want to necessarily uh, last mm, season. Sort of needed him, but yeah, and, and and I don't know if he can if he can do that again. I, I it kind of feels like he either ha- he either has to die or. You know, there's there's a there's definitely got to be a cost if he's going to survive this somehow. But he's yeah, mm. it does kind of feel like Theon is is almost at the end. He's almost at at the end of his rope, out of options for what he can do to to redeem himself. You know, he, he and and you know, obviously, this is a character who's been through hell, and, and nobody is is sort of and, and I think everybody's sympathetic to him. But it's it's the question of just narratively what is what is left for him he could plead to danny maybe he could go to john um but uh yeah this is something that's going to be tough for him to uh come back from yeah i definitely agree and uh 
I guess this could be a good time to maybe give our predictions about what's going to come up in the, yeah. in the so next episode. We've got actually got two previews we could talk about briefly. Mm. So we'll we'll start with the what do you want to start with? You want to start with the Comic Con preview or with the next time trailer? Let's do the um, let's do next time trailer first. Yeah, go and on. then we'll then we'll do Comic Con. Uh, so this is the audio for the preview for the Queen's Justice season seven episode three. I was born to rule the Seven Kingdoms, and I will. The war's already begun. I've drawn first blood. Thursday will be ready. They know we're coming. Yeah. So obviously, the big shot is the um, the final shot between John and Danny. Uh, how do you think that's going to go? Um, not as easy or not as amicable, perhaps, as we might like. I think when you th- in this episode, Danny was saying he's going to come and bend the knee. Very Cersei esque in that. I don't know why, but that just I was like, oh. Why did he need to say that part? Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's a king in his own right up in the north. And Melisandre has just said some of the things he's done. I don't think it's going to be as simple as that. And John as well. When you think of the stuff with Mance Raider, that's another thing that I thought of as well. When Mance Raider refused to bend the knee to Stannis Baratheon. And I think John sort of admired Mance in some respects. And um, he also says in this episode that he doesn't even, he accepted him. Uh, being king in the north because he has because the north is like his family but he didn't necessarily want it uh-huh. so I don't think he's going to bend the knee I'll say that much and I don't really know how then Danny's going to react but what, what's your take on it all? Yeah I, I do think I, I don't think if there's any animosity between these two I don't think it's going to last long but I definitely I'm definitely with you it, 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 it's not going to be super easy necessarily to for them to get along um they're they're gonna have to they're gonna have to work through some stuff and you know well, she's that was melisandre again yep and 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 he's going to need to um well he's gonna well john's just gonna need to convince her of what's going on in the in the north and that's gonna be the big the big question is if he can convince her of that um, the other things that seem well, that's co- interesting, yeah. isn't it? Because they're both bringing each other for their own agendas, or they're both meeting each other for different agendas. I should say. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, she. Um, I think she views him as uh, you know a potential ally in her her war for King's Landing, essentially to to win um, to win the Game of Thrones. Whereas he sees her as an ally in the bigger picture, and the question is, can he convince her? And what's it going to take to convince her of what is out there? And uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think um, the the relationship that John between John and Tyrion that was established all the way back in season one is going to pay off in a big way. I think that's going to be cool to see those two back together again. Um, and yeah, so I, I think we're we're in for a, a good show on that regard. Um, the other things that seem to be going on in this episode. So we have uh Euron arriving in uh King's Landing. He seems to have Yara and Illyria 
as his hostages. So that will be interesting to see. This will maybe mm. force Danny's hand to attack King's Landing. Well, the episode is called The Queen's Justice, which, of course, we can look at Daenerys, but there is also still Cersei around. And yep. I, I think that Illyria Sand is definitely going to die next episode. I think she's done. Pretty much yeah. nailed on. Yeah. I'd be shocked if she doesn't. Yeah, I think... Because I don't really see what her purpose is anyway at this point, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, but after what happened with Marcelo in particular... Yeah, oh, for sure. For sure. I think she's done, and, and we'll see how things... Yara maybe has a better shot of getting out mm. of there, but yeah, it doesn't seem... Uh, doesn't seem uh this seems like it's, it could go very it could go very very well for either of them um we also see who do you think Cersei's talking to actually in that scene um well what does she when she's sitting in a chair what does she say does oh she say anything? god we might have to play that little bit yeah. again then <laughs> all right all right take here, we'll just, is that eight seconds <laughs> eight seconds okay here's from here five go, here's everybody. from five here's from five seconds the war's already begun. I've drawn first blood. I wouldn't be surprised if she's talking to um, to Jamie, even. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jamie, or maybe... Um, yeah, Jamie, I think it's going to be Jamie, or perhaps perhaps Ilaria, perhaps, but... Uh, or or, um, or Euron, but more likely, more likely, most likely this is like a little Cersei council scene with uh, mm-hmm. with Jamie, I think. Uh, that's my read on it. Um, the other thing that we see in this, uh, in this preview is, uh, what looks to be that battle at, at Casterly Rock. It looks to mm. be, uh, you know, the, the Danny's going to strike back. This is how she's going to take revenge on, uh, on, on Cersei for, um, for, for taking Ilaria and, and Yara is to, is to hit back and take, uh, Casterly Rock, which, yeah makes it seems seems like a, a logical uh, next step They'll, it seems like they're going to kind of stick to the plan as best they can and and it makes sense you know that you know cersei or euron took uh took two key people in in cersei's uh or in, in danny's uh inner circle so danny's going to hit back and and take uh the seat of uh of power of the lannister house so that should be pretty pretty interesting the other thing I, we didn't really talk about this in um the episode but you know danny says in this in this preview and we've heard it throughout a lot of the trailers. You know, she says, I was born to rule the seven kingdoms. And yet in this episode in Stormborn, at the beginning, she says, I don't feel like I'm home. You know, she thought she would, you know, return to Westeros and it would be, she would be home. You'd be, you know, Chewie, we're home. Uh, and instead she kind of feels like, you know, she feels like a stranger. And I, I wonder if we're going to see that, explored some more does like is danny is is this is danny going to question if this is what she really wants because at one point you know Tyrion challenged her on this early on like why do you actually want to take the the seven kingdoms why not he said to her back in season five i think why not just stay in marine and rule here and you know when she says you know i i don't feel like i'm home it made me wonder you know maybe maybe she's not going to enjoy this or it's not going to live up to what she thought it would be um but yeah it, it i thought that was very very interesting and and you know we we hear her you know making one of her grand declarations but we saw it's kind of a a quieter moment from her this episode that doesn't exactly line up with uh with maybe what her expectations were mm. 
but uh that that's it for the uh the next time trailer um let's let's have a look at the comic con preview as well this came out uh on uh on friday during the panel in hall h at san diego comic con like i said unfortunately i couldn't be at that panel despite being at san diego comic con i had star wars things to cover um but uh they showed this preview let's take a look I was born to rule the Seven Kingdoms, and I will. The Mad King's daughters will destroy the realm. We must stand together if we hope to stop her. We can't defeat the Night King's army on our own. Daenerys has dragonfire. A Targaryen cannot be trusted. If we don't band together, we will die. Winter is here, Your Grace. friend every possible series of events is happening all at once i believe you have a role to play as does another so obviously we've already seen some of that in there yeah uh, and a lot of it was also from the, that also made its way into the next time trailer for next week's episode. But the sort of the key thing that is, that was new to, or that's sort of exclusive to this as of now is that bit of dialogue from Littlefinger, which doesn't really make sense. <laughs> like, what is he, what is he getting on about there? Like, he's, everything is happening all at once, every possible future. Like, it's, it, it's, uh, well, no, I think I think it, it, it's because what does he say? Everybody is your friend. Everybody is your enemy. It, uh, is he? Is that not him trying to persuade her to say, "Look, you can take the Iron Throne now because everything's thrown into the air." He's, he's, he is sort of right with the everyone's your friend, everyone's your enemy. Yeah, uh, because friends quickly become enemies is what we've learned here, um, and that things can change very quickly. Like, who would have thought the Greyjoys and the Lannisters would have or you? On together and and then you got the the Tyrells and the Targaryens and the stuff like um I sort of see what he means like everybody sort of f- is 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 free for all at this stage I think is what he's trying to say yeah that makes sense that does make sense like it's it's sort of like he's just sort of capturing that chaos and like he said chaos yeah. is a ladder so well when you look at these these trailers for example is he wrong like it seems like restaurants has not been in more chaotic state than it has been oh yeah since we started the show oh yeah and we're like we're actually seeing you know you think back yeah. to early seasons you know there was a war going on but we didn't see huge battles all the time we'd see them every now and again but this season it looks like we'll be seeing huge battles on more than one occasion like we see uh lannisters marching in the field we see um what looks to be unsullied and yeah, unsullied, unsullied in in the in Castle Rock, um, and obviously we as we just saw there was the water, the stuff on the, on the sea. So a uh, lot, some interesting places that this will all go. It sort of reminded me of at this point, it's like Risk that board game. A little bit, you know, yeah. You, you roll the dice, and if you get a higher number, then you're going to take a big chunk of land. Which you know, when you think about it, Cersei's won one battle. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I think Daenerys is going to win an even bigger battle, really, and take a big chunk of Westeros in one. Yeah, uh, oh, by taking sure. Casterly Rock for sure. 
Um, one one other quick shot that we see in in the Comic Con trailer um, that intrigues me is there seems to be a scene that looks like we're going to have a scene between uh, Melisandre and Varys, and uh, I'm curious because Varys, you know, they've his uh they they were sort of we saw some stuff were questioning his motivations this episode. His past is still very mysterious and. There was some stuff alluded to last season with another uh, red priest, a uh, red, red priestess, and him that was never fully explored, and so I'd, I'd be curious to see another scene between those two. But I think, mm. I think that is uh, where we're going to leave things for this episode. Uh, before we go, just time for final thoughts and score out of ten. I forgot to do this last week with the. Chris and Patrick, but uh, why don't we do final thoughts and score out of ten for both uh, Stormborn and Dragonstone? Well, we'll just do. Why don't we just do score for Dragonstone? But final thoughts and score out of ten for both for Stormborn as well. So uh, over to you, Karen. Final thoughts, score out of ten. So Dragonstone, uh, I'd give that a solid seven and a half out of ten. Or that was a decent episode, decent premiere to the season, mm-hmm. um, and I'd probably give this one a seven out of ten. Um, again, I thought it was a good episode. There was a, uh, it was, yeah, the fast paced element in one sense is good because it means it develops the story and we're not lingering, hanging around at places too long. Um, but as we said at the start, the flow of the episode between the scenes such as Daenerys to John and then John to the Citadel and things like that, not as good. And, um, still waiting on the Citadel story to really, in some parts it's intriguing me and others it's not um, but what I really enjoyed like you said Dominic was the the, the King, King's Landing stuff I'm really enjoying what's going on in the North and uh, the Arya storyline um, and then that great battle sequence at the end so it's a solid episode but I don't think it's quite Game of Thrones' best yet yeah I, w- yeah I would definitely agree with that I'll give the same scores actually 7.5 for last week seven for this week and really this week i think was saved by the the action sequence at the end i think it would have given it a lower score if that hadn't been so uh so well done um but yeah the um it was a little bit clunky it's it it almost it's, it's a weird complaint but yeah it does seem to be moving a little bit too fast at times you know where the show sometimes seemed to move at a glacial pace now it's almost like we're like having trouble keeping up um but yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm curious to see where we go next with with Theon and also with 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 Arya and Danny and Tyrion and John and and all that. Um, even even the storylines that you know didn't work quite as well. I thought there was still some good stuff, and I'm still interested in seeing where we head next. Um, kudos to the show for a phenomenal gross out transition, going from Sam uh, cut, cutting off Jorah's grayscale to uh, the guys eating the 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 meat pie at a at hot pies restaurant there at his inn i thought that was so that was so well done and it it, um it it definitely got a lot of the people that i was uh i was watching the episode with this week there was a lot of when that happened so uh kudos to the show for a very uh excellent gross out gag uh on that so yeah seven uh seven and a half for uh dragonstone seven point five 
seven for uh, Stormborn. Uh, that will do it for the show. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. As we mentioned last week, we're part of the Radio Free Podcasting Network. You can go to RadioFreePodcasting.com and uh, find out about many of our other uh, compatriots there. Lots of great podcasts you can check out if you're into uh if you're into say um twin peaks you can check out the how's annie podcast there's uh, uh if you're into just general uh, pop culture stuff you can check out amateur pod geek radio hollywood and vine and uh many more uh so radiofreepodcasting.com that's the place to go uh and uh you can also check out my other podcast star wars underworld uh it's where we talk about all things star wars you can, you can catch that live thursday nights 9 p.m eastern uh, by going to channel1138.com or just searching for it on iTunes uh, pretty much immediately thereafter. So it's there for your Friday morning um, or just go to starwarsunderworld.com and uh, make sure to subscribe to uh, this show on iTunes. And if you like the show, do definitely leave us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. And uh, follow us on social media. Uh, like the Watchers of Westeros on Facebook. Follow at Watcher Westeros. I'm at DominicJ25 and Kieran is at C Duggan Six. That's it. We'll we'll be back next week to talk about the Queen's Justice. So long for now. It's a wrap.